Father, God, we thank you. Lord, for the fact that you love us. God, that you poured out your immaculate grace on us. Lord, that we were so undeserving. While we were yet sinners, Christ died. The fact that you poured out your son's life for all of us. God, it's more than I can comprehend. It's more than I can wrap my mind around. But I am so incredibly thankful for it. God, how you have poured out your, your love on us, how you have shown your love, how you sent your son to die for each and every one of us. God, I can never get over that. God, that will never become complacent in my life. God, I am just so, so overwhelmed by the fact that you love me that much. God, I pray now as we go into the time and the preaching and teaching of your word, God, I pray that you are honored by it. Lord, I pray that you speak to somebody today. God, I know there are people here that are hurting I know that there are people here that just need to hear from you. I know that there are people here that just need to be reminded that you are God in their life. And I pray that that is what happens today. That God, you just awaken their spirit, awaken their soul to the fact that you are God in this place, in this world. God, we do love you. We do thank you for the opportunity to hear from you. God, may we never take that for granted. May we always consider this to be a precious time in our lives where we can hear from the word of God. Father, we do love you and we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you can be seated. Uh, we are continuing in our series, I Am, and we're talking about Moses and the fact that he was a guy that had an encounter with the I Am, and you guys remember the story of Moses and the burning bush, and we'll cover that today. Uh, we talked about last week how his, his mother was in a, a state of disarray because you know, the, the babies were to be killed, the Israelite babies were to be killed if they were boys, they were supposed to be taken out. She was freaking out because that was going on, and she has this little boy, and now, you know, what's going to happen to him? So she puts all of her faith and trust in God, and she ends up putting uh, this little baby in, in a, a basket made of papyrus and, and, and also some pitch and tar and made a little basket and put him amongst the reeds. And uh, lo and behold, what happens is Pharaoh's daughter comes along, uh, the princess comes along and finds this baby. And uh, we know that what happened instead of the princess saying, hey, you know what, let's kill this baby like all the other Hebrew boys. Instead, what she does is she says, well, let, let me take it. Let me raise this baby. And she, she says, who can I get to nurse this baby? And she says, the sister of Moses is there and says, why don't I go and get one of the Hebrew women to, to raise the baby for a little while and take care of the baby. And then we can turn it back over to you. And that's exactly what happens. So Moses' mother ends up getting to take care of this little boy and being able to raise him for a period of time. We don't know exactly how long, but she's able to take care of her son and then turn it back over to Pharaoh's daughter. And that's kind of where we left it last week. And we talked about what kind of tremendous faith that she must have had in the fact that that God had to take her baby and, and actually care for this baby. And of all people that could have come across that day was the Pharaoh's daughter uh, to actually find this little baby and how much disarray she must have been in in her mind and how it must have been overwhelming to even think about what was, what was going to happen to that little baby. So we find Moses here, and then it kind of jumps ahead in the story. And we be, begin in uh, chapter 2 at verse 11, and it starts to talk about Moses as an older man. He's, he's grown up. He's been trained by the Egyptians. He's been raised by the Egyptians. He's the prince, right, because he's, he's the princess's daughter or, or son. So, so he is the prince now. He, he's, he's a big deal in, in Egypt. It's, it's kind of a big deal for him. He's, he's a big deal there. And uh, Moses goes through what I would call an identity crisis here. A little bit of trying to figure out who am I. Before he can figure out who the I am is, he's got to figure out who I am first, right? He's got to look at himself and figure out who he is before he can figure out who the I am is. 
And that's where we see Moses at this point in his life. And I, I was tempted to say, okay, well, we'll skip through this a little bit. And we'll go on and we'll talk about the burning bush. And then we'll talk about the plagues and all of that kind of stuff. And, but God just said, hold on just a second. This is a very important part of the story. We don't want to overlook it. We don't want to skip past it because it's very important. Because I believe there's some people in here that you either are in the middle of an identity crisis or you have been at some point in time. I talk to a lot of college students, right? Uh, being a former college pastor, I kind of know how to talk to, to folks that are in this transition period in their life. College is like a big transition period for a lot of folks, all right? It was for me, because you got to figure out, like, what is my career going to be for the rest of my life? And that's what all of them say. Oh, man, this is an overwhelming burden for me to figure out what am I going to be doing for the rest of my life? And what I tell them is this, I said, you know, I had an idea in my life what I thought I'd be doing for the rest of my life too, uh, but here I am on Sunday mornings preaching to you guys, and I'm like, I didn't picture this in the plan. When I was in college and I was getting a computer, a computer science degree, and I thought about going for a double major in computer science and math, and I was this uber geek, you know, I never would have imagined that God would be using me to talk to you guys about Jesus Christ. I never had that in the plan. That wasn't in the picture. So what I tell them a lot of times is, it's okay. It really is. Even if you are like struggling with what am I going to do with the rest of my life, it's okay. It really is. If you will seek God in your life, if you will seek his direction, his plan, and you stop trying to lay it out yourself, and you start going, well, God, I'm going to follow whatever plan you have in my life, then things, the burden gets lifted in a lot of ways. You go, wow, there's a lot of freedom in that. You mean I can just follow Jesus, and that's all I have to do? Well, yeah, you really can. It is just that simple. I know that when I was younger, my parents, they told me, well, it was my mom in particular. Uh, she often would say, because my dad was an engineer and I was kind of logically minded, you know, and I had the math skills and all that kind of stuff, she used to call me her little engineer. Like one day I was guaranteed I was going to grow up and be an engineer just like my dad was, and that used to drive me crazy. I was like, I am not going to be an engineer. My dad was an engineer, and that's great, and that's fine, and he's logically minded and got mathematical skills and all that, but I'm not going to be an engineer. That's not what I want to do. I don't want to be like everybody else. I want to do my own thing and be different. So I showed her I got a degree in software engineering, and that completely disrupted everything. I said, I'm not going to be an engineer, but I will be a software engineer, and that's when I ended up getting my degree in from JSU is software engineering. So I completely just turned the tables on them, right? I did something completely different. Um, I had no idea, I had no idea in my mind that I would be up here 37 years into my life going, well, God's called me to start a church. What? Are you kidding me? Really? Uh, you know, it was only about eight years ago when God told me that, well, you know what I'm really calling you to do is preach my word. And I'm like, are you sure? Are you absolutely positive, God, that that's what you want me to do? I used to cut the grass in the front yard and I would... What was happening, I didn't realize it at the time, but God was putting sermons on my heart. And I was like, you know, and I just called it this. I said, you know, if I could talk to people about God, this is what I would say. And I would be putting together these things in my mind. And I'm like, wow, what is that, you know? And now when I go back and cut the grass, I go, well, I know what that is. That's just God laying a sermon on my heart. He's laying his word on my heart in such a way that I can present it to people in a simple way and try to explain God's word to them. It just turns out that it's a sermon. I didn't know that back then, but that's what it was. No idea what God was doing in my life. Let me tell you something. If you follow God's plan for your life, which is just this, to follow Jesus, to put your faith and trust in the almighty sovereign God of the universe that has everything in his control, 
you don't have a whole lot to worry about. You really don't. College students, you don't have that much to worry about. I'm telling you, if you just follow Jesus and follow God's plan for your life, you really don't have that much to worry about. You know, it says that time and time again, fear not. Like 365 times in the Bible it says fear not, you know. That's because we're not supposed to be afraid. Because fear doesn't come from God, it comes from somewhere else. Yeah, we know that, right? That's one of those things that I like to call simple, not easy. Um, there's a big difference between easy and simple. And most of the things that Jesus says, most of the things that God's word teaches, they're simple, but they ain't easy, right? Well, as you're going through an identity crisis in your life, and maybe you're an adult, maybe you've like, God's called you to a new path in your life like he did in my life and disrupted everything, and I thought I had a plan, and I thought I had it all worked out, and turns out I didn't have a clue. Maybe you're an adult and you're in that situation. Let me tell you something. It's not as difficult as you might think. It's not as hard. It's not as burdensome as you might think that it is. If you're a young adult and you're going through college or you're about to go into college or whatever and you're trying to figure out, you know, what is God's calling on my life? What am I going to do for the rest of my life? Put your faith and trust in an almighty sovereign God of the universe. You don't have to worry so much. You just kind of, and it's okay if you pick a path and it turns out God says, no, that's not the path I have for you. Take a step to the left or to the right and let me show you a new way. It's okay. It really is. And we find that in Moses' life here. He's got to figure out who he is before he has this encounter with the I am. And like I got a short video that I want to show you. It's from the Bible series that was on the History Channel. Um, I don't know when that was, like a year ago or a year and a half ago, something like that. Uh, but it just gives you a picture of, of Moses. And uh, it, it, he has some flashbacks here. And I want to kind of explain what those flashbacks are just a little bit. He kills an Egyptian that is beating up on one of his Hebrew brothers, all right? And, and what you see is some flashbacks that he has to that. We'll talk about what, what Moses goes through in his little identity crisis here. We'll talk about that in just a minute, but I wanted you to know what these flashbacks were about. Let's go ahead and roll the video, and then uh, we'll continue.
All right, so pretty cool, right? I think if I saw that, I would be pretty much mind blown, right, as, as young people today say. You know, that's what would have happened to me had I seen that. I thought that was a pretty cool illustration of the burning bush there. Um, so beginning in Exodus chapter 2, verse 11, we see that, that Moses has grown up, right? So he's been raised as an Egyptian for a period of time, and he's kind of grown up. <clears throat> but he's still a Hebrew. He's still an Israelite in his heart. So this is what we see in verse 11 of Exodus chapter 2. Many years later, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews. And he saw how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. After looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. The next day, Moses went. When Moses went out to the visit his people again, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. Why are you beating up your friend, Moses said to one, of the, one that had started the fight. The man replied, who appointed you to be prince or judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Then Moses was afraid, thinking, everyone knows what I did. And sure enough, Pharaoh uh, heard what happened and tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. So here is what we see. We see Moses in a little bit of an identity crisis. He knows how he was raised. He knows that his mother was a Hebrew. He knows that his mother was an Israelite. And he was raised by her for a period of time until he got a little bit older. And then he was turned back over to Pharaoh's daughter uh, to be raised in the ways of the Egyptians. And here he is. He's probably acting like an Egyptian and all of this kind of stuff at this point in his life. And he's thinking, well, this is who I am now, okay? Yeah, I was raised as an, Isra as an Israelite in an early age. But now I've come up and I've come up in the Egyptian ways. And, and now, I mean, he's a prince, right? I mean, that's pretty cool to be a prince. Have you ever thought about how nice it must be to be a prince? Uh, there would be no need that he had that would go unmet. I mean, anything that he needed, anything that he wanted, he would get as an Egyptian prince. That's a pretty big deal, right? Can you imagine being in that situation? I think all of us had thought at some point in time how nice it would be to be a prince or a king or a queen or something like that. Uh, you know, little girls dress up as princesses all the time when they're little. Um, I think that it would be pretty cool to be a prince and hear... He's starting to have a little bit of a struggle. Moses is starting to have a little bit of a struggle on the fact that deep down inside, he's still an Israelite. He can't change who he is like there's something inside his heart that just won't go away. As you're going through an identity crisis, as you're trying to figure out who I am, my challenge to you would be this, and that would be to look deep inside at who God created you to be, all right? Now, I, I don't want to overcomplicate that. I want to keep it simple and just tell you this, that, that as God impresses things upon your heart, you need to listen to those things. Now, I don't know what that is for you. I don't know exactly the way God may be calling you to go in your life. I don't know exactly what things he may be calling you to do. But what I do believe is this, is that God is telling each and every one of us something in our hearts, something in our lives that we're supposed to be doing, a path that we're supposed to be following. And the only thing that I can tell you to do in that regard is listen to that voice of God that's directing your heart. Look at the burdens in your life. Where are the things that you are compassionate about? Where do you have a heart for? What, what, what people are breaking your heart? You see the condition that people are living in. What is God breaking your heart over? As you see that, as you begin to tune into those kind of things, it'll be more and more obvious the way that God is leading you. As you, as you see where your heart is being drawn, as you see where your compassion is being drawn, 
that is most likely the path God has for your life. For some of you, that may be caring for sick people, elderly people, uh, orphans. It could be any number of things. For some of you, uh, it, it may be for people that are treated unjustly and you want to be a lawyer in your life. That's fine. That's okay. Look at those passions that you have in your life and the things that, that you are passionate about and go for them. Try your best to look deep inside like Moses did. And I believe it was driving him crazy. I believe that as God puts something on your heart, I don't believe it necessarily goes away. I don't believe you can just dismiss it and act like it ain't there. I believe it's so firmly planted deep down inside of you that you just basically can't deny it. You've got to see that the fact that God is doing something in your life. And I believe that's what was going on in Moses' life right here. Here he is. Yeah, he's an Egyptian prince, but something inside him says, I'm still an Israelite. I'm still a Hebrew. I can't deny that. I can't get away from it. And so much so that when he sees one of his fellow Hebrews being beaten by an Egyptian, it just enrages him. It comes out. It all comes to a head right there at one point in time. And he ends up acting out in this fit of rage. And I don't think that it's okay to kill anybody. I don't think the Bible indicates that it's okay, the fact that he killed the Egyptian. But I think that it just came, it overwhelmed him and, and who it was. And he saw this injustice and he's like, he just lost it. And he killed this guy and hit him in the sand. Well, then he's ashamed, right? Because that's what comes with sin, is shame. And he takes the guy and he buries him in the sand. And then on top of that, he sees two Israelites fighting amongst each other. And he's like, hey, why are you two fighting, man? Why are you trying to beat up on your brother? And he says, he says who appointed you prince? Who appointed you judge? Who are you to say anything about treating somebody unjustly? You just killed an Egyptian yesterday. And here you are talking about me and doing something wrong. And Moses kind of loses his mind at this point. He's like, oh, no. He gets super paranoid, right? That's what Moses does at this point. He gets super paranoid, and he's like, oh, no, everybody knows. Isn't that the way we do it? Like, you hear something, like, oh, no, everybody knows. I know everybody knows. And you get super paranoid, and you're, like, looking around your shoulders going, who all knows? Who all knows what I did? And that's exactly what Moses is going through here. And he says that he, he escaped. Uh, he left Pharaoh. He, he escaped Pharaoh, and he went to live with a Midian. So he went to live with a different group of people in a different area, all to get away from Egypt. And it literally means what it means if you look at the original text is he forsook Egypt. He kind of, he said, all of those things that Egypt had to offer, I'm turning my back on them. All the pleasures, desires, anything that he needed, uh, physically, monetarily, all those would have been met if he'd have stayed in Egypt. But because of who he was, because of the fact that he was a Hebrew, he was an Israelite, he, he left all those things behind and said, I'm going where, where God would have me to go. And I'm going away and I'm leaving all the stuff behind and I'm going to Midian. Now this time he spends in Midian, it's about 40 years he spends there. He actually finds a wife, they have a child and we're going to skip down a little bit to where it says uh, in verse 21 of Exodus chapter 2, it says, Moses accepted the invitation and settled there with him. And this is talking about the father of the lady he ended up marrying. In time, Raul gave Moses his daughter Zephorah uh, to be his wife later. She gave birth to a son, and Moses uh, named him Gershom, uh, for he explained, I have been a foreigner in a foreign land. Once again, we see Moses' identity crisis. Here he is, he knows he's a foreigner in a foreign land, the Midian, he's living amongst the Midian, but here he is, once again, so much so in an identity crisis, he calls 
his son, Gershom, which means I am a foreigner in a foreign land. I think at this point in time, he's like, I just know that I don't belong here. I don't know if I'm an Egyptian or a Hebrew. I just know that I don't belong here. Have you ever felt like that? You ever felt like I don't belong over here in this group and I don't fit in in this group over here? And I don't know exactly where I fit in. I just know I don't fit in. And that's kind of burdensome on us too, right? Like you spend your whole teenage life trying to fit in. And when you don't fit in, you don't know where to go or what to do. And you're like, I don't even know who to hang out with because I'm I'm just such in turmoil. I don't even know. All I know is I'm different, man. I'm not like this group over here and I'm not like this group over here. That's really kind of the way I was in high school. I didn't really fit in in any group. I was just the guy that was there. And that was okay. I mean, it really is. And we see Moses in this place and he's trying to figure himself out. And he's a foreigner and he even names his son Gershom. I have been a foreigner in a foreign land. Years passed and the king of Egypt died. So this is a good thing, right? He's thinking, well, the, the king of Egypt is dead, so um, I can probably go back. But here's what happens. But the Israelites continue to groan under the burden of slavery. So maybe things haven't really changed so much. That's the, uh, the deal that, that's going on there. And Moses is probably upset about that. They cried out for help and, they cry, and their cry rose up to God. God heard their groaning. And he remembered the covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is their ancestors. He'd, he'd looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. God said, now is the time. Maybe in your life there is sur- surroundings, things that are going on. Maybe it's your work or school or wherever. And God says, now's the time for something to change. Now is the time for you to come out of this identity crisis. Now is the time for you to step up and you to do something different and make a change and come to the place that I have led you. And maybe now is the time for you. Maybe God is saying, now is the time for you to do something in your life and the people you have influence over. Maybe he's seen people that are lost in, in, in your school or at your work and, and you know that too and you know that in your heart and, and God has said, now is the time. Now is the time for me to act and for you to respond. And we're going to change things now. So now is the time. So we have this incident with Moses and the burning bush. It says, one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of the Midian. He led the the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it did not burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why is it that the bush is not burning up? I must go see it. Then the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, and he called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. This is, this is the response that we see time and time again. It's God calls Men and women to do something. When he calls them to step up, to step out of the place where they are and to do something different, this is their response. You see time and time again from people that are faithful to God. They say, here I am. Here I am is what Moses said. He says, do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord looked, told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh uh, slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their fertile and spacious land. 
It is a land flowing with milk and honey. And he goes on to tell them about the place that he, that he set apart for them, that he's heard the cries of these people. Now, I want you to understand something, that, that, that God hears our cries. That as we're in a place of desperation, as we're in a place of hurting and of pain and of suffering, that God hears our cries and he knows what you're saying. And he isn't turning a deaf ear to them. He knows indeed what you're going through. Sometimes we feel like he doesn't, but I'm telling you, he does. And here's a perfect example of God had heard the cries of his people. He had heard what they had to say, and God was calling this man Moses out. And he said, Moses was confused. He's looking at this bush. He's like, man, it's on fire, but it's not being consumed. Now, I have my own Kenny 101. This is what Kenny believes about this burning bush, and was it on fire or not? I believe what Moses saw was the Shekinah glory of God. Now, that's one of those things you're like, okay, what is that? Let me just tell you this, that it is the glory of God that illuminates all of heaven. When the new Jerusalem comes and there's a new heaven here on this place, the, 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 the whole place will be lit up with the Shekinah glory of God, and it will light up everything. And it says, we find later on in Exodus, what happens is that the, the Hebrews, as they eventually come out of Egypt, that they are led by a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. And that pillar of fire, I believe, is the Shekinah glory of God, where they're seeing that at a distance and they're just following God. They're following his lead. I believe here Moses gets a taste of that Shekinah glory of God. I believe that he gets a taste of the glory of God and he says, he has his eyes opened a little bit, okay? First of all, he has his eyes opened up to his desperate need for God and the fact that maybe he's been disobedient to God. Maybe he's, he's kind of run away from God a little bit by, by not staying maybe in the place that he was. And now he's kind of run away in fear and he hides his face from God. It says that, that the glory of God kind of is revealing to him. I believe that when the glory of God shines on us, I believe that it is revealing. And I believe that if we are not sheltered, as we see Moses later on, if we're not sheltered by some, some, uh, uh, some way, some shape, some form, that, that, that the Shekinah glory of God will consume us because of the holiness and pureness of God. It will actually be consuming us and it will destroy us. And that is why he tells Moses, he says, hold on just a second. Don't come any closer it's not going to be good for you if you do. And he says, the place that you're standing is holy ground. That You are in the presence of God right now. The God of your father, Abraham and Isaac and of Jacob. I am that God and I am here in your presence. Can you imagine if you're going through an identity crisis and all of a sudden God shows up right in front of you? You want to talk about having a shake-up moment. I can imagine that when, when God shows up and he's right there in front of you, you go... All right, all bets are off. All right, God, what do you want me to do? And I believe that that is what, what we encounter with Moses right here. I believe that he, he goes through this thing and he says, he says, all right, God, I'm here. I, I've been confused for a little bit about who I am. And this is what happens in, in chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. I want to skip ahead a little bit and go to, uh, to verse 13. It says, but Moses... Um, protested God told him to go and God told him that you were going to be the instrument for setting the people of Egypt free it says in verse 13 but Moses protested if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you they will ask me what is his name then what should I tell them and God replied to Moses this is where the whole sermon series came from God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh. 
The God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Now go and call together the elders of Israel and tell, me, tell them, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to me and told me, I've been watching you closely and seeing the Egyptians that are treat, how the Egyptians are treating you, and I promise to rescue you from your, from your oppression. This is... This is a defining moment for Moses. This is where everything turns upside down. Moses has been seeking and trying to find, and, and he's run away in fear, and he's got this turmoil going on inside of him. I'm an Israelite. I'm an Egyptian. I don't really know where I am. And God says, you know what? You know who you are? You're not a, you're not a Hebrew. You're not, you're not a, an Egyptian. What you are is you're my servant. You're one of mine. You're in my family. You're one of my chosen ones. I brought you in. You're one of my royal priests, as we read in 1 Peter chapter 2 uh, earlier today. Uh, you're one of mine. And what you're going to do is you're going to take my people and you're going to lead them out of Egypt. And I know that they're going to question you and they're going to wonder, who has told you, has given you this authority in your life as you're seeking and searching God's plan and what is it I'm supposed to be doing? Don't you want the assurance and going, when somebody asks you, why are you doing what you're doing? Don't you want to go, well, I don't know. I really don't. All I know is I'm doing what God called me to do. I, I, I've been following God, and all I know is, is, is God opened my eyes and, and showed me that this is the path he has for me, so all I'm doing is doing what he told me to do. When people ask me about <laughs> starting a church in Oxford, Alabama, why are you going to start a church in Oxford, Alabama? I go, I don't know, man. That's a crazy question. That's a good question, as a matter of fact. I don't know. What do you think? And I go, well, all I know is God told me to. It seems crazy. There's a church on every street corner. There's, there's like a million churches. Why in the world would you start a church in Oxford, Alabama, an old grocery store? And I go, I don't know, man. That's a really good question. I've been wondering the same thing. All I know is God told me to. As you, as you try to figure out your life, don't you want that kind of assurance? Don't you want to say... I don't know. God just told me to. I've been following him, and he just led me down this path, and here I am, and it looks crazy, and it looks wild, and everything just, you know, just like disjointed and upset and crazy looking, but all I know is this is what God wanted me to do. When you, when you come to Simple Church, I imagine there are people who ask you, man, why do you go to Simple Church? And I hope you just answer, well, I don't know. God told me to. I hope you go, it don't make a lot of sense, but all I know is this is where God led me. Don't you want to be able to have the assurance to be able to say, you're so con convicted in your heart of what you're supposed to be doing, you just go, I don't know, God told me to. You see, what happens when you do that, it takes the burden off of you, and it goes, well, see, I'm just following God. And it, you know what it becomes? There's a word for it. It becomes a testimony. Because what God does is he takes you and he uses you, and, and, he, and he goes like, 180 degrees and where you thought he was going to go but he uses you in a powerful and mighty way and then the whole time all you're doing is putting the focus on God because he's the one that told you to do it he's the one that led you down the path so when things go good it, he gets all the glory for, from it you see how this works it's all about him and it's less about us we keep trying to impose our will on God and what we want to do and God's just saying well it's just it's always been about me and what I wanted for you anyway that's the place I was in my heart. When God called me to ministry, when he called me to start a church, I just said, 
God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do what you said to do. And if anything good comes of it, you get all the glory from it. And here, Moses, man, he starts having doubts. He's starting to wonder. He's like, I don't know, man. If I, what if I tell, who am I going to tell them that sent me? And they're going to doubt me and all that kind of stuff. And this is what it says in verse 19 of Exodus chapter 3. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless my mighty hand forces him. So God's telling Moses, look, I know you got your doubts. I know you're worried. I know you don't see it right now. But I know what the king of Egypt is like. And I know unless I do something that he's not going to let you. It says, so I will raise my hand and strike the Egyptians, performing all kinds of miracles among them. Then at last he will let you go. And I will cause the Egyptians to look favorably on you. This is where it gets good. This is God's plan for your life. As you follow him and seek him, he will look favorably on you. They will give you gifts so you will go and leave. You will not leave empty-handed. Every Israelite woman will ask for articles of silver and gold and fine clothing from her Egyptian neighbors and from the foreign women in their houses. And you will dress your sons and daughters with these. Uh, stripping the Egyptians of their wealth. <laughs> okay, so this, this is me telling you, okay, this is not like some kind of uh, super duper, super feel good thing, but this is what I'm telling you, is that when you follow God's plan for your life, not only does he send you on your way, but he sends you on your way, uh, and he overwhelms you with what he does in your life, and he, as you go, he like does great things and miraculous things and amazing things that you can't even comprehend right now. He does those in a, in a great and fantastic way, in such a way that not only will you go, but you will go with this blessing. God will come in and he will actually orchestrate things in a way that you will be like overwhelmed by his goodness and his glory. This, this is the story of Moses. I'm not making this up. I'm not telling you something else. All I'm telling you is that here's a guy who was obedient to God's plan for his life. Here was a guy who was questioning everything, who he was. And he said, okay, God, I'll do what you called me to do. And God says, not only am I going to be with you there in your life and help you along the way, but when you go, you're going big. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have the Egyptians give you wealth, give you all the things that they, they had taken from you. Uh, not only are you going to get back what you already have, but you're going to get more and you're going to go. And that is the way that God does in our life. You know, there, there's so many times in my life where I, I've questioned, God, what, what, is this, what is this thing that's going on? I don't understand it. I don't really get all the things that you're trying to tell me right now. And you know what God's simply doing? You know what God's simply doing in my life and probably doing in your life in some regard? He's just asking you to trust him. He's just asking you to put all your faith in his plan and his way so that you'll take all the focus off of you and put it all on him and say, all right, God, whatever happens, all the glory belongs to you. You see, I'm not here to tell you that if you choose God's plan for your life and, and you follow God that you'll automatically be, be blessed with wealth and cars and money and all that kind of stuff. I'm not telling you that. But the riches God blesses you with are ones that are eternal treasures you know, we talk about storing up treasure in eternity or in heaven. Uh, I believe that that is what happens as we follow God's plan for our life. You know what, what the treasure is that we get from that? We get to see transformed lives. We get to see people brought into the kingdom of God. We get to see people who once didn't really understand the things of God, now all of a sudden want a deeper understanding of who God is and what he can do. And, and those are the kind of treasures that, man... When, when, when you die and you can't pack it up in your suitcase and take it with you, you can't stuff it in your coffin to take it with you when you die, 
Those are the kind of treasures that, that store up in eternity, that store up in heaven. And you get to reap those benefits and reap those rewards and say, man, I was a part of somebody's life being changed to the glory of God. I know, I know that some of you are in an identity crisis. I know that some of you college students, high school students, even some adults right now are in an identity crisis. And you, you see Moses and you see where he was and you say, man, I don't know if that's me or I don't know if it is or not, but... Let me tell you something. God is doing something, something in your life right now. Um, I, I'm completely convinced about every single one of you that God is something, doing something great in your life. Because as God calls us to be followers of him, he automatically uses us to have an influence on the people around us. Every single time. There's no exception to that rule. God absolutely uses you every single time to have an influence on the people around you. Now, now Moses... When God did this in his life, when he shook it up, when he shook Moses' life up, Moses responded. Yeah, he questioned. Yeah, he asked. He said, man, how am I going to do this? God said, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm, I'm going to strike down your enemies. And I'm going to make the way. You see, Moses, it's about following me. It's about trusting me. It's about putting everything on the line for me. Once you do that, then I believe you're inside God's will for your life. Once you put it all on the line and say, all right, God, without you, I, can, I can't do anything. I'll fall flat on my face, and, and, and it won't succeed. But with you, I know I can, I, can, I can do what you've called me to do. So in your life, as you question, as, as you struggle, are you willing to put it all on the line? Are you willing to put it all out there and say, all right, God, I know it doesn't make a lot of sense, and I may have been on one path, and I see you calling me to another. Will you respond the way Moses did and say, all right, God, I'm, I'm in. Whatever your plan is, I'm in. Well, I will do it. I'll have the influence you called me to have. I'll do the mighty things you called me to do. Will you do that? I know there are people here that, that have got a broken heart today, that, that you feel empty or alone or something like that. You, you feel like, man, I've got something going on, and, and you just don't know, Kenny. I don't know. I, I don't know. But the good news is that you've got a God of the universe that does, and he's the one that, that wants to strengthen you and restore you and be close to you and remind you that he is God, that he is the I am of your life. So I pray that if anything else, you, you, you've not paid attention, you've zoned out or whatever else may have happened in this, this last few minutes, that you, you at least recognize that God, the I Am, is right here with you. And, and he wants to be close to you. And he wants to strengthen you and encourage you. And he wants you to surrender to him. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for this word. God, thank you so much for the testimony of Moses and how he put his faith in you. Uh, God, the things that he was doing, the fact that he forsook Egypt and he just went for whatever you would have for him. God, what a great testimony that is. I pray that we would be people like that, that we would be people that would say, you know what, no matter what else comes, God, I'm going to follow you and follow your way. God, I thank you, uh, Lord, for the people here. Uh, Lord, that in their minds, in their hearts, they've made a commitment to do what you've called them to do. Lord, I pray that not only do they make that commitment in their hearts and their, their minds, Lord, but they make that commitment as they go out into this world, Lord, as they go out of this place, God, and they have to follow you day by day. Lord, I know that that's where it becomes more difficult. I know that's where it, uh, it, it goes from being simple to being difficult. Lord, I know that it's simple but not easy sometimes to follow you. But Lord, I know, I know this completely, that that because we follow you, because you have prepared a way, that, God, we can rest in that. And we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be full of anxiety or worry or any of those kinds of things. We can simply follow you and trust that no matter how people ask us why we're doing what we're doing, God, we can just simply point to the name of Jesus and say,
because God has told me to. That is why. Lord, I pray whatever you have to do in people's lives today, God, however you need to encourage or strengthen somebody, I pray that that happens. We love you. This time belongs to you. In Jesus' name.